Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you'll hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host best-selling author and founding pastor of Mosaic, Erwin McManus, as they discuss biblical principles to achieve a deeply rooted inner peace that can overflow and impact the world around you. Erwin, why were we playing basketball? What yes. was that all about uh, back over there? Uh, why were we shooting baskets before this broadcast? Well, I, you noted that in the book I use basketball a lot in the storytelling process, and some of it is I love basketball. Okay. And everyone needs to find their place of solace, that place where they can kind of recharge and, and, and maybe just connect to their inner self. And uh, basketball is that place for me. And I think a huge part of that is that I have so many things going on in my life, so much chaos and distractions and so much pressure that you can feel overwhelmed by the stress. And when I'm playing ball, I'm just focused on the game, and especially when I'm competing, and so I block out everything around me. In the book, I talk about how when I had cancer, I had a six and a half hour surgery. And one of the things I did is I asked the surgeon, what's the world record for a six and a half hour surgery and then to play basketball? <laughs> and he said, there is no world's record. And I said, well, good, it's gonna be mine. <laughs> and uh, so I walked out of the ha- that hospital with a catheter and so I didn't look like I was going to be playing basketball very soon. But literally three weeks after having that surgery, I snuck out of the house because my wife did not want me to walk outside. And I told her I was going to get out of the house, go hang out with some of the guys. We rented a gym and played two hours of basketball. And I had six holes that were glued together, and they, they were bleeding. Mm. And uh, the glue wasn't holding well. But my three-point shot was dropping, so I knew that it was a good thing, that God was with me. And I think a huge part of it for me is... Um, I just learned over a lifetime that there are things that cost you energy and things that replenish your energy. And I, I, I think it's really important. And one of the reasons I write this book, The Way of the Warrior, is that very few people are taking the necessary time to deal with their inner world. Hmm. They're fighting and struggling and just trying to make it through the day. And I, I talk to endless number of people who are struggling with depression, with stress, panic attacks, anxiety attacks. 24-year-olds who are medicated because they, they, they can't deal with the depression they're feeling or are medicated because they feel overwhelmed by stress. And I don't think I've ever written a book that was more important for the moment it was written. Right. I don't well, either. I'd... You know, uh, The Way of the Warrior, uh, this book uh, came to Lori and I. Uh, we have now finished and completed listening to it. We have, you know, read it. I have pages marked up. What I want you to know, though, is um, for those that understand the importance of any Erwin uh, McManus book, this is, has a touch of life and death attached to it. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, uh, an importance to this book that I believe is profound. Yeah. And we have uh, an 800 number on the screen. It's available now. And let me just tell you, uh, for someone that is in a serious situation, any kind of serious situation, uh, this book uh, speaks life into situations mm-hmm. that are life and death. Mm-hmm. And, and if you've got a serious situation on your hands, uh, I would encourage you to order it. Mm-hmm. The Way of the Warrior, let's start at the very beginning, <laughs> Erwin. What is the way of the warrior? Mm-hmm. Well, the book is um, subtitled An Ancient Path to Inner Peace. So there's, there's a juxtaposition of words between warrior and peace. Yeah. And I think a huge part of that for me is that peace doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. It never comes by accident. It never comes by being passive. 
So I chose a warrior language because I, I think the battle for your soul is the most important battle you'll ever, you'll, you will ever engage in. And I started looking at things even from a broad level. Look at the world we're living in right now uh, with rage and anger, with terrorism, with violence, with war. And it's not getting better. It's getting worse. There was a time where you were, you were afraid of the battle line, but now you're afraid of the elementary school. Right. And we, we, we knew who the enemy was before, and it, at least, or at least it seemed, but now it seems like your neighbor. Mm-hmm. It may be the most dangerous person in the world around you. And, and, and I started asking, why is it that we human beings are so unique? Well, I mean, we're a pretty special species. We're the species that harnessed fire, learned how to control light. Mm-hmm. We're the species that harnessed nuclear power and solar power. We invented the internet, the cell phone, the, t- um, the television. Uh, we're the species that did all that. We, we figured out how to travel underneath the water in submarines and leave the atmosphere in spaceships, but we cannot figure out how to bring world peace. Wow. How is it possible that we are so complex and so uh, innovative and inventive, but we find peace to be elusive? And the reason is because you cannot create what you do not have. The reason the world is at war is because we're at war. The reason there are wars that rage around us is that there's a war that rages within us. And we will never have world peace until we have inner peace. Wow. So I wrote this book to solve two problems. One, humanity's problem of not being able to create peace, but each individual's problem of not being able to find peace. And so I think we're gonna find that the way to world peace is to bring inner peace one person at a time. And, and you just explain all the different codes in the book, but the warrior is a man of peace. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna push back just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Because the warrior can be a woman Don't of peace, push too. Back. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Because you said the warrior uh, that he is. Yeah. And I, I'm married to an amazing woman named Kim. And, and she's, she's one of the warrior. greatest warriors I've yes, ever known. The book is dedicated to her. Yes. She travels. And to, what a beautiful dedication. She says it's the uh, most important part of the book. It <laughs> is. I thought so, too. <laughs> <laughs> she no, she cried. Amazing. But amazing. I, my, you know, my wife was an orphan from the age of eight to 18. She lived in a foster home. She was left uh, starving as a child in a government project until social services found her. Uh, she walked herself to church. She was the first of nine brothers and sisters, I think, to finish high school, to go to college, to get her master's degree. Mm-hmm. And I, I, even though the language may seem masculine, yeah. I want to just say right front that women are some of the greatest warriors that we've ever That's known. True fighting for marriages, fighting for our children, fighting for our communities, fighting for our schools, fighting for our world. And um, and so, yes, um, (laughs) we write about this warrior language, but I want you to know this book is written as much for women as it is for men. And I think a huge part of the problem, if you step back a little bit, is when a person believes in Jesus and has faith in God, but it's still struggling with depression or still suffering with panic attacks, they don't know where to go. Because when a person doesn't believe in God, they can say, hey, I'm depressed or I'm stressed out or I'm having panic attacks and everyone expects it. They go, well, yeah, just get some therapy, get some help. But when you believe in Jesus, a lot of times people just say to you, well, just memorize this verse or just pray about it or just trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that person never feels free again to tell you I'm depressed or I'm, mm-hmm. I'm anxious or I'm, I'm really struggling or I'm having panic attacks because it sounds like they don't have enough faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what I want people to understand is If you are honest with yourself and if you're dealing with stuff inside of you, it doesn't make you a coward. It makes you a warrior. Wow. Because you finally have the courage to fight the most important battle of your life. So I chose the language of the way of the warrior. One, because men are not going to carry a book that says, I'm hurting, help me. (laughs) uh, But this book actually addresses 
um, the endless number of men and women who are hurting and they need help. And I want you to know that Jesus is the way to peace, but the way to peace does not come without a battle. Wow. Um, my son, my youngest son, we were, we were sitting in a restaurant the other day and uh, our waiter came up and he had a really interesting tattoo. He had a watch on and the face of uh, Salvador Dali oh, wow. was able to be seen above the watch. So it was just kind of this much of a view of Salvador Dali, the big eyes and mm. really interesting. And, we, and I, I said to him, okay, great tattoo. What's the story behind it? And he just said, you know, ever since I was a kid, I, I, I needed an expression for my artistry. I needed an expression for, for you know, my creativity. And, and we're sitting there and we, he left, came back. We talked a little bit again. He, you know, looked at my son and said, I think you're a musician. And, and he said, yeah, I play the guitar, blah, blah. So we, we developed this conversation. And, and I know Erwin McManus as kind of a modern-day Ernest Hemingway. All of your books are amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, my youngest son uh, connected to the artisan's soul mm. in, a, in a way that was profound. And so you have young 20-year-olds who when they're witnessing to someone in a restaurant, they tell them to get a book by Erwin McManus called The Artisan Soul. Mm. And he took yeah. out his phone, wrote down your name, made sure we spelled your name right. And, yeah, so and the guy that. asks Kaylin and Cody and Matt and I, you know, so what books would you guys recommend? Because I need some, you know, and he, he wants to get into business and he was an artist and he was all this. And so and when the, he says that, I'm trying answer, to think of something spiritual. Yeah, or, like the Bible. Or, you know? <laughs> get the Bible. And, and Cody just took over and he said, The Artisan Soul. By Erwin McManus. And it was just immediate. And it was and the exact right exactly. thing. At the like, right moment for the right person totally. at the right time looking for yeah. the right thing. That's so beautiful. And, yeah. uh, and our family believes oh, in everything 100%. you ever write. We love you very much. We Thank believe so in much. your vision. We believe in your Hollywood vision. Yes. We believe in what you're accomplishing. And uh, the viewers and the listeners kids. of TBN and everything about what you're trying to accomplish, we're behind you. We're with you. We love Thank you. you so much. So uh, <laughs> an ancient path to an inner peace. Uh, what we want to do is start unfolding. Uh, t tell me where you want to start. I've got, I've got corners folded down. I'm prepared to kind of jump into a few things, but why don't you start with where you want to start? Uh, there was, uh, you know, in this book, you're talking about your operation, your cancer, all that kind of stuff. So kind of start where you want to start, but I'll be prepared to kind of throw you a few uh, uh, questions here in a minute, but start where you want to start. Let me just kind of give a, a basic overview. Please. Because the book is broken down to eight codes. Okay. And so I, I wrote the book as if an ancient samurai is writing it to a young samurai. And I wrote it as if I was mentoring my son or my daughter and giving them the principles of the warrior. And so these eight codes are, are principles by which you live your life. And there are two frequencies in the book that I, I like to highlight. One is for the person who's really struggling with depression or anxiety or fear or worry and feels paralyzed is trying to move to wholeness. But there's another frequency. It's for, for that person who knows that their life is to make a mark in the world. They're supposed to do something that matters and, and they're trying to figure out how to live at their optimal level. And so in the middle of the book, I actually put 
a triad around self-mastery. Over the years and years that I've observed leadership, I've interviewed the most powerful and effective leaders in the world, I found consistent patterns of how they engage their life. One of the chapters in the book, I believe it's Code 5, is that the warrior owns defeat. I think it's the shortest chapter in the book and maybe the most important chapter. Mm. It deals with personal ownership and responsibility. It's one of the profound things I think that you learn over a lifetime is that when you own defeat, defeat will never own you. If you do not take responsibility for failure, Mm. you are powerless to change the course of your life. I've seen a cultural pattern where people are always blaming someone else. In fact, you see this in athletes. When they win, they take credit for being the star. When they lose, they say their team isn't good enough. Wow. Fire and, the coach. <laughs> yeah, they're firing the yeah. coach. They're getting rid of the players. And, and one of the huge shifts a person have to make, has to make is if, if you blame someone else, you are now powerless to bring the change. Wow. Yeah. When you blame someone else for your life, your circumstances, your situation, the problem is that someone else may actually be to blame for part of it. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not your fault, it's still your responsibility. So I can spend my whole life blaming everyone. I'm an immigrant from El Salvador. I never knew my real father. I, I came from a real tumultuous family situation. I was in a psychiatric chair by the time I was 12 years old. I could spend my whole life blaming other people for the life I never chose to live. Wow. Or I can stop giving them power over my life yeah. and say my life is mine to decide to take mastery over my life, to take responsibility for where I am. And when that happens, you finally have the power to bring the changes you want to change. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, when they broke their relationship with God, the first thing it did was blame. Yeah. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, and the snake had no one to blame. <laughs> and, and I think what you find is the brokenness in the human psyche is that we shift blame so that we don't have to take responsibility. That chapter, is to me the most important chapter in terms of taking ownership of your life. Mm. If you do not like where your life is, stop blaming other people, stop blaming your past, stop blaming your circumstances, take responsibility for your life and watch what God can do with that. Mm. Beautiful. You know, I I love when you talked about Adam and Eve and you were saying it it makes it sound like there was only two trees when there were all these other (laughs) trees in there. do you remember that part? Yes, no, I do, of course. <laughs> I, I, when I first started hearing the stories in the Bible, I'm like a lot of people, you hear the stories before you read them, right? right? right. And then later when you read them, you realize, oh, that's not the way oh. it worked, right? <laughs> if you hear the story in Genesis, you think there's only two trees mm. and there's, the rest <laughs> of it's just a desert, yeah. right? There's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when you read the Bible, you realize, oh, there are lots of trees. It's a paradise. Garden. It's lush with trees and fruit and... And, and God said, eat freely. That's the first command in the Bible, by the way. I love that the first command from God to humanity is eat freely. Wow. Can you imagine eating freely and being naked and unashamed? Yeah. <laughs> Just a side note. <laughs> and, uh, no, not right? really. I yeah. can't eat freely yeah. and I'm dressed and ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, this is how bad it's come. <laughs> and so I look at that situation and I realize, no, God gave him an endless number of trees. Yeah. See, God is all about giving us opportunity and freedom. There was not only one good tree. There was only one tree that would bring the wrong future. Wow. So many of us act as if God is always limiting our choices. Yeah. No, in fact, every destructive choice you make limits your future. Oh my goodness. Every choice you make in alignment with God actually opens up your future. Mm. You know as well as I do, you two have made so many good choices and now your problem is having to choose between so many good options. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
You know, when we start our journey, we're kind of choosing between right and wrong, good and bad. You know, do I do, I, I do this destructive choice or do I do the right thing? But as you grow in your faith, you're not choosing between a bad choice and a good choice. You're choosing between, between all these good choices mm. and the best choice. Wow. I love being paralyzed by so many good options. Not, <laughs> right. one, not all the bad options and one good option. Right. Beautiful. Right. Oh, I love that. In The Way of the Warrior, I kind of stopped early in the book. And I'll just read a couple of lines out of it. I have come to know the painful truth in life. Most people would rather live in the predictability of captivity than risk the uncertainty that comes in a fight for freedom. What do you mean by that? I probably wrote that line a little bit out of frustration. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 60 now and I've lived in this journey of faith for 40 years. And I've had so many people I love so deeply and I could see a future for them that they couldn't see mm. or I could see a future for them that they, they didn't want. Mm. And one of the painful things you begin to realize over a lifetime is you cannot lead a person into a future they do not want. You cannot lead a person to a freedom that they do, they do not want. In fact, if you help a person find freedom that does not want freedom, they'll become bitter against you because you've put the weight of responsibility on their life. And it just breaks my heart when I see people make destructive choices because they do not want the responsibility that comes with freedom. How many times have you seen someone cycle back to the same kind of relationships wow. or the same kinds of choices? And, and, and then they wonder why their life makes no progress. On the other side, every human being is just one choice away from a life they couldn't even imagine. Mm. And that's why I write this, is I want to, in a sense, create more fear for living in the safety of compromise and conformity than to be afraid of stepping into the unknown and watching God create the new. Wow. Mm. The... Uh, second place I kind of highlighted, there is no surer way to lose yourself than to spend your life thinking about yourself. <laughs> when you fully know yourself, the focus of your mind moves towards serving others. Mm -hmm. To know yourself is to know the world. Where, 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 where's your, keep, expand on that. Yeah, just the other day I was asked, um, in fact yesterday, in one of these interviews, for national broadcasters, when you come to the end of your life, how do you want to be remembered? Hmm. And I thought, how odd that that's a, a common question, but it really bothered me. And I, I was thinking <laughs> how I don't care if I'm remembered, I care if I lived. Wow. And, and the problem is that most of us spend more, most of our life worrying about what other people think about us than who we really were. Hmm. Does, and, and, and there has to be a shift where eventually you stop worrying about your reputation and you start worrying about, worrying about your essence. Your focus is how, what is the life I'm actually choosing? You know, what are the choices that are, are making a difference in the world right now? And I think the easiest way to lose yourself is to spend your whole life thinking about yourself. It's, it's a self-indulgence of narcissism. Mm. And, you know, so what, 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 what about if you never know what you're supposed to do with your life? You just spent your whole life helping other people find the life they were created to live. Hmm. I think there's a beauty when you live your life to serve others. Because when you live your life for others, I think that that's when God actually takes care of your life to make sure you live the life you're created to live. Yeah. I didn't spend my life going, 
how can I live out my dreams? I actually spend most of my life going, how can I help other people live out their dreams? Yeah. I think you're supposed to serve others and let God take care of you. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. We are sitting with Erwin McManus. By the way, I want to just say that your church, and everyone knows Mosaic Church, is being in Los Angeles. I think it's right at the corner of Hollywood and La Brea. That's it? right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I used to drive past there a lot, and you know, I know that's right on Hollywood Boulevard, just 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 off those kind of fake fake uh, Oscar-looking things on the corner there. <laughs> and so. Uh, your church, um, right there at the corner, uh, there in Hollywood, uh, is where you hold church. That's where, you know, I think about when I think about you, but, uh, you're, you're starting to expand down in Orange County. Yes. When you think of the way of the warrior and you think of, uh, you, you don't use the word or you use the word, but you don't, your, your verbiage and your vernacular is somewhat different, but aren't you talking about victim mentality? Uh, when you're talking about this, that that's really one of the biggest uh, anchors uh, to a person moving on in a life and, and accomplishing thing that God has for them to do. So basically blaming your upbringing, blaming your victim mentality is kind of the worst case scenario for someone. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's subtle too because it, once we had these frameworks of whether something was right or wrong or somebody was good or bad, or, and now we have this framework of you're either a victim or a victimizer. Okay. And there doesn't seem to be a third option. So it pushes everybody toward being a victim because no one wants to be a victimizer. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do think we have this cultural mentality that we're all victims. And because of that, we end up living our lives powerless. And... Here's the crazy thing. The very person who says, the reason I'm this way is because of all these things, there's someone standing next to them who went through more. Yeah. And so you realize that resilience has very little to do with what you go through, hmm. but what you actually build within yourself. Hmm. And so you're right, there is this, this, this culture of victimization, and we have to be careful because the moment you see yourself as a victim, you choose your powerlessness. By the way, this is why forgiveness is so important. Because when, when you actually have been hurt by someone, when you have been wounded by someone, when you've been victimized, because there are people who actually are victims, and they've been victimized, if you don't forgive, you actually live in that past experience the rest of your life. Right. Wow. And you give a person who should have never had any power of your life continued power of your life. Right. The only way you can break the power of that victimizer from your life is actually forgiveness. Yeah. They're, they're living in that moment. Yeah. And, and isn't it tragic to live in your worst moment? Wow. And that's what bitterness does. Yeah. Bitterness makes you a prisoner and in that, your worst moment. And that person can be dead and not even here and still. And, might... and if they're unrepentant, which drives a person crazy, why should I forgive a person who's not sorry? Right. And you go, well, because they moved on. Yeah. Because they moved into their darkness. You're the only one trapped there. Yeah. Wow. So why leave yourself there when they've moved on? Yeah. And, and, and the book really focused a lot on taking mastery over your life. The, the last code is the warrior stands in their pain. One of the things I had to face, in fact, I wrote about it in the book, when I had the six and a half hour surgery, it was supposed to be a two hour surgery, ended up being six plus hours. They put me in my hospital room around 9 p.m. 
I woke up at midnight, three hours later. <laughs> I woke up, my wife came, who was sitting in the chair next to me, and she was panicking when I woke her up because she thought there was something wrong. And I said, um, no, I just want, I'm going to get up and walk. And Kim said, you're not getting up and walking. Did. You just and, put uh, her through so much. <laughs> oh she knew what she was getting into. We've been married 35 years. And, uh, and she goes, you're not getting up and walking. I said, no, I'm getting up and I'm walking. And so she <laughs> snitches and calls the nurse. And, uh, and, and the nurse comes in. She goes, can I help you? And my wife's like, he wants to walk. Tell me he cannot get up and walk. And the nurse says, you cannot get up and walk. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. And, and the nurse says, sir, you, you cannot get up and walk. My wife's panicking, going, you cannot get up and walk. And, I looked at the nurse and I said, can I actually do any damage to myself if I get up and walk? And she said, well, no, technically no. I said, then I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. And she said, well, then if you're going to do that, let me get you some painkillers first because it's going to be pretty painful. And I said, no. So this is the whole point. I know if I can stand in this pain, I can face whatever pain's ahead of me. Wow. Wow. people do that no because most of us we've been trained that our pain is our boundary yeah when we don't realize that greatness is always on the other side of our pain wow. and in, in any endeavor in life whether it's in sports or in marriage or in physical recovery mm-hmm. if the amount of pain you're able to endure will determine the amount of strength you'll have on the other side of it wow and when I stood up, I wish I could tell you there was like this miraculous intervention <laughs> where I felt no pain, but that would be a lie. <laughs> I felt so much pain, it was almost unbearable. Yeah. And when I stood on my two feet and the weight of my body on those six holes in my abdomen, I wanted to scream bloody murder. Mm. And I took my first step and I wanted to jump back into that bed. But I took a second step and a third step and a fourth step and then to their surprise, I walked out of the room down the hallway and three hours later, I did it again. I woke myself up and I walked further. And then at eight in the morning or so, when there was a nursing shift and my wife went to get coffee, I got up out of that bed. I went- I'm Glad I, you waited. Yeah, I took a shower. I got myself dressed to go home. And when they came back, I said, I'm ready to be released from the hospital. And they said, well, you have to at least eat one meal here. And I said, no, that is torture. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a pain I don't know if I can bear. And, and I went home that day, and I can tell you the reason I was on a basketball court in three weeks and the reason I was back in full swing within weeks was not because I have a supernatural capacity. It was because I was willing to bear more pain than most people are willing to take. I learned early on in my life that fear will limit you, that pain will limit you, and that failure will limit you. You have to understand that your future is on the other side of your failure, mm-hmm. that your freedom is on the other side of your pain, and that your greatness is on the other side of your fears. Wow. Oh. Goodness. Erwin <clears throat> um, yeah. McManus thinks differently than most of us. Um, I would have been talking about what kind of pain medication uh, <laughs> so it. that they would have been able to give me and how many. And that you're talking about, you, yeah, you're talking about the opposite. That's why he writes books like yeah. this, The Way of the Warrior. And you're, you are, you have the most amazing ability to smack somebody upside the face 
<laughs> and encourage them at the same time, yeah. you know, because you're just smacking the I, idea yeah. of victimization. You know, when you're when you're saying, yeah, but he did this and I didn't get an opportunity because they got it and and I got kicked out of this or they I got took it. and 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 I've been stolen from and all this. You know, it's it sounds so whiny when you're when you're reading this book, but at the same time, it's so encouraging if that's the way that you literally uh, are experiencing your life. If you find yourself um, where most of the time you think you're a victim, mm -hmm. this book is for you. It'll irritate you, and at the same time, encourage you into something that God has for you that would I be unbelievable. I love what you said, though, about encourage. It means to put in courage. That's it's, right. You're, you're putting, when you're encouraging someone, you're putting courage into them. I love that. Sick. I love when people have a near-death experience to listen to what they have to say afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I have loved and just wanted to... I loved every book, I mean, from from the first one on. And um, this one, I mean, when you, so I listen, I listen to a lot of books because it helps me be able to. Are you talking about the Barbarian Way the barbarian and Artisan Soul and all the, all the, you know. But um, this one, um, the, the ending of this book, you, it was just such a challenge and such an enforcement of, of what you can be and what you can do. And I love that. But you talk about the, the warrior being invisible. Hmm. Can, you, can you talk about that for a minute? Sure. I think um, one of the earlier codes, uh, maybe code three, is the, the warrior seeks to be invisible. Yeah. And there's a huge difference between fame and greatness. Mm. I live in a city that is driven by fame. Yeah. And if I could just simplify it, I would say that fame is what you do for yourself and greatness is what you do for others. Yeah. And so many of us feel in, so insignificant that we're desperate to die in our invisibility. Yeah. And so we're trying to be seen. And what you see even in, in the world of social media is that people are desperate to be heard, to be seen. And so they'll do the most destructive and even um, dehumanizing things yeah. just so that no one... Um, will die without being known. Yeah. And the warrior understands that it, it's not important to be seen. It's, it's important to be worth um, being seen. It's not mm -hmm. important to be remembered. It's important to be worth being remembered. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge part of the posture I, talk, I write about in the book is that the warrior seeks invisibility, not that you'll always be invisible. See, you may seek invisibility just to serve other people, just to um, give your life away, and God may actually put a light on you and make you visible. But when you seek to be invisible by not seeking fame, but by seeking greatness, mm. by not trying to be spectacular, but by learning to live your life by serving others, don't be surprised when God makes you visible because you're already visible in God's eyes. And in the most powerful way, you are most visible because you're visible from the, from the um, perspective of eternity. Mm. But so many people are trying so hard to be seen in a moment. When you're a kid, you ever you're, you're raise your kids and they didn't feel like they were getting the right attention, so they start acting up. Sure. Mm -hmm. Isn't it funny how a lot of kids act out when they feel like their parents don't pay them attention? Right. Yes. You did that. <laughs> Our adult or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the problem is a lot of people are still acting out as adults. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
<laughs> but when you're free from the opinion of others, you can now live your life with your intention. Mm. And, and I, it's the most liberating thing in the world when you don't have to worry about how people will remember you. Yeah. yeah. But whether you have a story worth telling. Mm. I, can't, um, I can't get past, uh, Erwin, the thought that this book is a more serious Erwin McManus piece. Um, there, there is, I've said it earlier in the broadcast, there's a, a life and death kind of feel to this. This is like a book that needs to get to someone that you wouldn't normally give a book to. Somebody in a very tough situation needs to read this book. Okay. If somebody's listening right now, what, what if, if there is a nutshell of what you were trying to generate in the thought, what was the very seed of this book? What was the very intention behind this entire uh, tome here? Well, the first line of the book, I was driving down Hollywood, down Vine with my wife, and I can't really fully explain it. I, I heard an inner voice, and I heard this voice say to me, the warrior is not ready for battle until they come to know peace. Hmm. This is the way of the warrior. And I leaned over to my wife, and I said, I know what my next book is, and I know what the first line is. Hmm. I didn't know where the book was going to take me. Now, the first code is the warrior fights only for peace. And... You know, I, I've, I've struggled with all kinds of stuff, and I felt like it was really important to be transparent. I mean, I'm, I'm a person who uh, struggled with depression. Um, I, 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 I was really, really emotionally troubled as a kid. I was in a psychiatric chair at the age of 12. I, um, I, I, I had this overwhelming sense of insignificance, disconnection. I felt like somehow I didn't belong in this world. Hmm. And I thought I was alone in this, in this feeling. And... And, uh, you know, I, I've always had, like, um, massive struggles inside of my own mind. I have this uh, thing that's called, um, uh, I have a slow neuro, neuro speed, which means that I can't stop data and information from going into my brain. So I get overloaded by massive amount of information that I can't stop. And when I was younger, especially even when I was married to my wife, Kim, early on, she would see me in a fetal position because I couldn't stop the information coming into my brain. And there's one of the images I use in the book that... Um, he was not driven to madness because he could count the raindrops, but because he could count the spaces in between the raindrops. And, wow. And I felt like that was me. Yeah. So I th this book cost me a lot, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I didn't just remember. I, I had to go there. Mm. And I felt like it took me to a lot of dark and painful and disruptive places in my soul. And Every book for me really matters, and I think I, I, every book I've ever, ever written, I've tried to write something that would be worth that, uh, the reader's time, and they would still have value 100 years from now or 1,000 years from now. Uh, but this book cost me the most, and I think part of the reason is I don't think you can speak to a person in their pain if you are not willing to go to your pain. Hmm. You, cannot, you cannot help a person out of their despair if you're not willing to walk into your own. And I feel like I was um, taken on a journey into the darkest parts of my own life so I could bring people to light to let them know you're not too broken yeah. to find wholeness. You're not in too dark of a place to find light. Um, it's not too late. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, you're not all alone. Yeah. The only reason you feel alone is because you're lost in the dark, but a lot of us are there too. Yeah. And if we just grab a hold of each other, we can find our way back to light again. 
Wow. Very vulnerable. I, lo I loved the way you talked about God. So we look at the Old Testament, and it seems like God is a, 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 is a God of war, but mm -hmm. he was actually fighting for peace. Yes. Oh, I get so many people who come to Hollywood and say, I like Jesus, but I really don't like the God in the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they think there's two different gods. Yeah. Or God, was, God had real issues, went to therapy, came back as Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'm going, no, no. Uh, look, I, I had a friend one time who was in the top story of a mall. He saw a man robbing a woman <gasps> from her purse and beating her. Oh. He's a former, um, like... Um, Navy SEAL. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> runs down the stairs, knocks the guy out, basically. I the guy gets that. up and runs. He grabs the woman's purse. <laughs> yes. He gives her her purse. She's so panicking, she thinks he's the thief. Oh, no. Starts screaming. He gets arrested. Oh, no. Okay. And his Can we look at the cameras, please? Yeah. <laughs> his reputation gets destroyed because he intervenes to save someone's life. Oh, oh no. That's God. Oh. God's reputation has been tainted because he refused to leave us alone. Oh, my goodness. He stepped in to intervene for us, to fight for us, and we keep thinking he's the one fighting against us. Mm. So I, I opened this book by saying, no, God is not violent. God is a God of peace. Mm. But we are a people of violence, and God stepped into our violence, and he allowed himself to be tainted by us to fight for us. Mm. <laughs> the little music cue that just started <clears throat> indicates that time in the program that you love so much. Uh, and, and that I love so much. <laughs> and, and something that, that TBN... Uh, doesn't we, we don't like to accomplish one of these programs, especially with Erwin McManus, where we don't let him look into the camera and talk to you about this person, Jesus, which is, uh, you know, the answer to everything. The way of the warrior is our offer. The answer is Jesus. And um, just just invite people that, that are, you know, in that dark place. They're, they're, they're listening to you now, and they need to hear... Um, that there's hope. Well, one of the things that I think is so interesting is when I sent the book to the publisher, they came back and told me they were so surprised I talked about Jesus so much. And, and I said, in some ways I was too, because when I write, I, I just start by trying to deal with truth and, and let it take me wherever it goes. And, and what I kept finding is that every time I would unwrap a path to, to peace, it would always run me right into Jesus. And I don't think it's an accident that there are certain people throughout history, when you think about them or think about the world they were in, they, they rise to, to the surface. If it's art, it might be Picasso, or if it's music, maybe it's the Beatles, or um, if it's golf, maybe it's Tiger Woods, or basketball, it's Michael Jordan. But if you're gonna talk about peace, if you're gonna find a way through despair and depression, if you're gonna find hope to calm the turmoil inside of your soul, it's Jesus. Hmm. And all I had to say to you is that I, I think sometimes Jesus gets lost in, in all the imperfection of people like me who um, believe in Jesus. And then you look at us and you think, well, we're not living up to the standards we should be living. And I just want you to understand the reason that's true is because um, every person who believes in Jesus, every person who follows Jesus is a broken, imperfect person who's trying to make sense of life and trying to do life too. 
And I would just say that um, I'm not the measure of who Jesus is, but he is absolutely the hope of everything that I've become. And if you're here and you're just struggling, if you know there's something missing in your life, I would just encourage you to find your way to who Jesus is, to find a way to get to his message because Jesus is the peace you're searching for. He's the hope your soul is longing for. And I just want you to not give up because he's fighting for you. So don't give up on this fight. Um, this is literally some of the most amazing fun uh, and <laughs> an important thing that I do is sit like this and talk with Erwin McManus because um, Erwin, I love it when you're available to be a guest. I love it when you're down here in Orange County and, and um, welcome to Orange County. You've got an extension campus coming here. We're so here. excited about Mosaic being here in yeah. OC. And listen, Aaron get the get the information. Aaron's yes. kind of taking the lead there, and and uh, get connected to the mosaic uh, world. It is it is a it is a thing. Um, we've got a few minutes left uh, with the Way of the Warrior. Uh, the information uh, is on the screen for Way of the Warrior, and for any gift, it's available. Call now, uh, get it. We just look; it's an important book. Okay. In, I had my finger in one last uh, piece here, um, and, and, but I want you to make sure you summarize the book the way you want to. But I had one final piece that I underlined when I was reading it earlier last week. Uh, when you run from the battles you must fight, eventually your journey will take you full circle back to them. Okay, So I want you to address that. There are battles you must fight, wounds you must bear, scars that you must carry. To run from the battle is simply to delay the inevitable. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this. I mean, literally, how, how clearer could you make it? It's not that God callously insists that you face another struggle. Struggle. It's that God refuses to allow you to surrender to a lesser life than the one you were created to live. You're calling to us to become something more. Absolutely. You're calling to us. You're, you're begging us in this book to stop blaming external circumstances. Stop blaming the situations in your life. Take responsibility and come up higher to a new life. You're, you're screaming that in these pages. But I want you to, you know, kind of do your own wrap-up. What do you want us to know about this book and why it's going to help people? I, I will say, I think this is the 10th book I've ever written, and it's probably the most important book I've ever written. And I, um, I've already been receiving uh, messages from Instagram and Twitter, and I've had people say to me, I walked in, I heard the message of this book, I came in to kill myself, and I walked out with hope. Jesus. I have I had people um, just constantly sending me notes. It's only been out a few weeks telling me how they had come to the end of their lives or end of their marriage, and the book has already turned their course of action. I am so convinced that we have an epidemic in our culture, that we have a culture paralyzed by fear. We have a language of phobias. We... Um, our, 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 our knowledge of mental illness now has become PhD level. Everyone wow. knows what it means to be bipolar or OCD or ADHD or manic depressive or schizophrenic. We have so much language now because we have so much brokenness. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is I wrote this book because I am absolutely convinced 
that inner peace, that wholeness, that health is not just an illusion. It's something that we can have now in this life. But it's not a, it's not a, um, a permanent state of being because life is full of challenges and life is full of pain and life is full of disappointments. And one day you're feeling great, the next day the, the world falls apart for you. So this is a, a daily battle. You have to have a posture for life. You don't just breathe once. <laughs> you breathe every second of your life. And you don't just fight for peace once. You have to decide, I'm going to live this life in such a way where my inner world will find wholeness and health. And when you have peace, then you can bring peace. When you have hope, then you can give hope. When you have joy, then you can bring joy. When you're fully alive, then you can give life. And what the world needs most from every person is for you to be fully alive. And when you're fully alive, you overflow with life and you pour life into other people. And by the way, I'm convinced that's what Jesus did. Yes. Wow. He was the fullness of life. And when he died on the cross and his body was broken, that life just poured into everyone who would receive it. The Way of the Warrior is the title of the book. Absolutely. What are you fighting for? I'm fighting for inner peace. <laughs> I'm fighting so that every person can live a life of fullness. In the same way that Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves and said, peace be still, I'm fighting so that every person can have Jesus speak those words to them and live the life they're created to live. Wow. I wake up every day, I mean, it's crazy, with all the pressure in our lives, with all the challenges and all the chaos, I almost feel embarrassed because I love life so much. <laughs> you know, when you're fully alive, colors are more beautiful, flavors are more powerful, aromas are more brilliant. When you're fully alive, you, you feel the wonder of a relationship and your love. You know what it's like when you are fully in love. Mm -hmm. It changes everything. And my hope in the way of the warrior is not just that a person feels like someone understands them. My hope is that one day a person will get through the process, take a deep breath and go, wow, this is the life I've always longed for. Mm -hmm. Wow. I always hoped I could get there, but now I'm living with this new era in my life. What's the most common obstacle to that life that you're talking about and beckoning us to? You keep wanting it to happen, and you never make the decisions to make it happen. Mm. I told a group of college students, they said, what's our one piece of advice for this week? I said, um, whatever you know to do, do it right now and do it fast. Mm. If you want your life to change, then invest in yourself, get into you what you need. God can do the work, but he will not do for you what you're not willing to step into for yourself. What, what was your, um, what was Erwin McManus's hardest challenge to get to the point where you were a warrior? That's such a great question. You know, um, I was always paralyzed by fear. I thought I had the DNA of a coward. <laughs> you know, there are other people who are heroic. I think my biggest challenge was believing that I was the same material from which heroes come. Wow. And to believe that Jesus could turn me into the kind of person I always longed to be. I wanted to be a certain kind of person. I wanted to make a positive impact on the world. I wanted to live a heroic life. I wanted to live a life of courage and honor. I just didn't think that I had the right material inside of me to be any of that. 
And ironically, I think the greatest obstacle was that I did not believe that my life was worth that kind of, um, that kind of story. And when I heard this possibility that Jesus created me for himself, that God created me with intention and purpose, that my life was not insignificant, that I actually mattered, that God saw me and he knew me and he was waiting for me to believe in what he saw in me. I used to wait for people to choose me. I'd always be the last person chosen <laughs> in every team. And one day I woke up and I thought, you know what? I can spend my whole life waiting for someone to choose me or I can choose myself. Wow. But you know what's more powerful when you wake up one day and you go, oh, wow, God chose me. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. What doesn't really matter? What anybody else chooses. <laughs> wow. It is the way of the warrior. God chose you. Um, and there's a number on the screen. I'm going to stand up. I want you to stand up with me. And um, as we finish this program, I just want to hand you the Academy Award of the, uh, <laughs> the way of the warrior. And uh, wow. on behalf of uh, yeah, yeah. this is, this oh is the Warrior Award for Erwin McManus. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.